Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Pittsburgh Pirates, with their win last night, have secured a better record. They will not lose 100 games again this season. And I'm bringing back an old friend of the show here. Uh, He's out in St. Louis covering the team, doing the Lord's work here, hopefully bringing home a sweep today. Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette, at PG. Jason how you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, man. I'm in St. Louis. I've never had a bad day in St. Louis. I am the weird person that really, really loves this city. It's one of my favorites on the tour. And uh, we, we've had a couple good ball games. Weather's gorgeous. Barbecue always tastes good. So I'm in a good place. Yeah, you can't complain about St. Louis, man. I, I got to, to check it out earlier on this season uh, for the first time. And... Yeah, just had a great time, great atmosphere they have out there, you know, all the stuff around the ballpark and everything, very knowledgeable, friendly fans, uh, so yeah, you can't really uh, ask for too much more uh, in a road trip. No, you can't, and people, like, if I say that I love St. Louis, people look at me like, really? What? What's wrong with you? And I, I just, I don't understand that, man, like, from a beat writer's perspective, there's a Marriott right down the street that I can always get a good rate at. There are several good restaurants in the place you mentioned across the street, Ballpark Phillips. It's fantastic. I can normally get a direct flight in and out. They treat you well media-wise. I wish the press box was a little bit closer, but I'm certainly not going to complain about that. Um, the fan base, the atmosphere of games, it's always it's always really, really good. So, no, man, I, I'm such a – and I have family here as well, so that probably – Excuse it a bit, but I, I just I love the city so much. I look forward to every trip down here. Yeah, that that definitely would make it a little bit easier to get to see some family. But with the Pirates right now, we're we're into September, and people, of course, you know, took to social media to vent their frustrations about one Miguel Anjuar getting the call up, and people are saying, you know, the the Yankees are calling up Austin Wells, Jason Dominguez. Like, where are our, you know, fun September call-ups? So what would be the reasoning behind a, you know, a Miguel Anjuar call-up as opposed to, like, bringing Nicky G back up or Jared Triolo or even giving, you know, Kanan Smith and Jigba another, you know, go at it? So what's the what's the reasoning, you think, behind, like, a M- Miguel Anjuar call-up? Yeah, I mean, I, I get all that. I also get the, you know, I... I, I getting daily from people 
why isn't Miguel Andujar getting a chance? What are, what are they doing? Why isn't he up here? So, like, let's not pretend that this is out of the blue that they, they just, you know, committed a crime by bringing or up here. I mean, the way I see this, if you step back a little bit, like, the dude's had a pretty good minor league season. I mean, he's had a really good minor league season. He hasn't done anything at the major leagues, but you're going to take a look at him, right? You want to know if there's anything there, if he's worth retaining for next year. Um, my gut tells me he's probably not, but that's not the genesis of what we're talking about. You're talking about wanting to see younger prospects. Okay, well, if I look inside of that, a lot of them are already here. A lot of the, the seeds that are going to be a part of this thing are already on the team. Piero, Rodriguez, uh, you know, Henry Davis, although he's hurt. And that, I mean, if you're going to call for somebody, who are you going to call for? You're going to call for Nicky G, you're going to call for Triola. Okay. Well, Triola went down to the minor leagues with the emphasis of, of having a little bit of a different swing path, catching the ball out front more, hitting for more power. He's made some pro- good progress on there, but I can understand not wanting to disrupt that. Gonzalez, yeah, maybe. I mean, he's certainly hit well down there. They're kind of different positions. I would also just argue that they have moves they can still make, too. You know, Alika Williams has not done anything offensively up here, especially against left-handers. They can make that move at any time. Vinny Capra is a a placeholder until somebody takes that spot. They can make a trio or Gonzalez move at any time. But, you know, we knew they were going to take another look at Andujar. I would argue that over the balance of the season, he probably has put himself in position to be a September call. Timing's a little bit funky because he hasn't been producing much over about the past 20, but I get it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit weird, and I even look to, like, people, like, look back to, like, the old September call-ups when, you know, they had, you know, you could call up anybody from the 40-man, and so you would see a lot of those prospects, and then also, you know, after the minor league seasons came back, you now have, you know, AAA going to almost the same length as Major League Baseball, and then, you know, the curve even going, you know, a week before that. So in my estimation, I just kind of look that these September call-ups are a little bit different than they have been in the past. And also, like you said, a a lot of the guys are already here. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't like it. I mean, I think it's a flaw on Major League Baseball's part. Like, you should allow more than two September call-ups. Teams that are out of contention – I don't understand why we're just permitting two guys to get that experience. I mean, that's what September should be about. I mean, as much as I don't want to write like 500 names in a scorebook and have games that are 20 minutes longer because all the changes, I get why you do it, you know? And I I think teams like the Pirates, teams that are, you know, in this stage of of wanting to dole out playing time to guys are hurt by it. I'd like to see them go to 30, but nobody really cares what I think, and I, I still think that inside of that, I, I mostly understand what the Pirates are doing on that front. Now, if they keep, just to take the inverse of it, like if they keep Triolo and Gonzalez down for the remainder of September, I, I won't understand that. I think that'll be a rather dumb move. I also don't see them making it. And, I mean, you could look at somebody like Kanan Smith and Jigba. Has he really pushed his way into this mix, like, more than Endumar? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you want to see it work out i think a lot of us you know you like canaan as a person and you've seen flashes and whatever it's i i I don't know if i see him being a part of this thing long term i i I want to again i really like him i think the potential is there but if i look at on balance who has earned the right to be in the position to be up here on september one two three four whatever 
Like I would, I would say that Andujar has done more in that respect. Yeah, he's definitely had a good season, and and like you said, you you want to see what you have because you have to make you know another decision concerning you know arbitration again this off season with him. And another thing that people are you know kind of talking about is you know the Pirates only having two maybe three starters at this point in time using the opener a lot. So I've seen some calls for people, you know, to bring Quinn back up, uh, to bring up Jared Jones. Like what would be the, the reasoning behind maybe not bringing those guys up and, and kind of running some of these opener bullpen games? Yeah. I mean, they've run a lot of them. And frankly, Craig, I, I thought they've done a pretty decent job. I, I think the Pirates should be credited for finding Andre Jackson and putting him in the role they have. Um, Bailey Falter, Thomas Hatch, like they haven't been bad. I mean, the slider that Falter left up last night was a terrible pitch. You know, the changeup that Hatch didn't get down far enough to, to O'Neill, it wasn't great. But, I mean, on balance, these guys have been far better than I think anybody would have expected. You know, they, they're basically waiver claims plus giving up Rodolfo Castro, which hasn't exactly burned them. I like it. I, I I don't know how I feel about turning things over to Priester and Jared Jones just yet. And obviously there's a pretty big question mark with Rowanzi right now and his shoulder. Um, but your options, again, as you said, are, are Jared Jones and Quentin Priester. I'm not a big fan of rewarding somebody with like a five-and-a-half ERA in AAA, and that would be Jared Jones. Like he's had strikeout stuff. He's been up and down. Um, I, I'm generally for the player telling me if he's ready. And if that's, you know, a guy uh, performing his butt off in, in May and it, it's outside of a Super 2 window, then I'm going to make that argument. that The player, if he's performing, should be up there. But at the same time, if a player's not performing, like Jones is now, I don't want him up here. And that's not a slight against Jared Jones. I just think you should establish a meritocracy that your best players should, should be up here. Quinn's a little bit different, but I, I don't know if I've seen enough in the minor leagues to feel good about him coming back here and really contributing. Like, I think they need to get more of that velocity out of him. If that doesn't happen this year, if that doesn't happen until next year, I'd rather that outcome than force him up here just because, oh, they don't have enough major league starters or, oh, we need innings. Like, you know, I, I know people don't want to look at it that way. You want to try to win games, but I'd rather lose the game now and get Quinn Priester right for next season if that's the decision I'm making. So, I mean, ideally, yes, you just want him to improve enough to push his way back up here. That would be great. But I just I don't want to force guys if they're not showing me they deserve it. Yeah, and a lot of times people look, you know, all the highlights on on Twitter, on Facebook, and everything. And, I, and I've talked about this on previous shows before is that, I mean, you'll see all of the positive highlights. Like, unless it's like a blooper, you're not going to see, like, they're not going to show you, you know, the clips of, of Quinn Priester's walks. Like, everybody will say, well, you know, Quinn Priester struck out like seven, eight, nine guys the other day. But then when you look at the final line and you see, I mean, number one, that most of those are coming on his his curveball, uh, his off-speed stuff, which, you know, we saw a lot of the major league hitters kind of like just kind of spit at because they know that it's not going to fall within the zone. And then you're not showing the walks. So, I mean, yes, Quinn has definitely some stuff to do, and Jared is getting the strikeouts. But but I would agree with you on the point that it's like, well, why push it? And especially with Jones, I mean, the way that Ben Sherrington has operated and I think will operate is, 
if he doesn't need a 40 man spot until, you know, next year, like he doesn't have to be added at this point in time. I would see Jones as, as the like less likely call up of the two. Same. Same. And I mean, you know, I think you'd like to not blow out Oviedo and Keller, but right now everything I've seen from Andre Jackson, I'm sure is that going to run him out there every fifth day. I have no issue doing that. Um, you know, Luis Ortiz, to me, earned at least another time through the rotation. If you're going to call Hatch and Falter kind of a pairing, and that's what they're doing. And, and, you know, they don't have to get through five months like this. They have to get through less than one. So I'd honestly be okay with that. I really would. And if you need to adjust your roster at any point to get another bullpen arm here, I think you can do that. You can stretch some guys maybe a little bit further than you stretch them. That's fine, too. Uh, but I just... You know, I think there are other places you can go to. When I look at Quinn Priester, Craig, just to, to boomerang back to what you were saying before, I mean, I've seen what you've seen. I've seen the highlights of him throwing a nasty curveball that some AAA kid swings at and misses. And it hasn't happened as much up here. They basically sit on his hard stuff and they tattoo it. When I see Quinn Priester, somebody they drafted and was throwing 96-97, throw 92-93, that tells me there's something going on. That tells me that either he's severely injured, which I don't think he is because nobody would still be pitching at that level, um, or he's working on something slash kind of wrapped around the axle upstairs. And he's trying to be too fine with his control and he's not confident enough as mechanics. I think that's what we're seeing with Quinn. And to me, until that knot gets untangled, I don't really need to see it. And again, not trying to be mean. I'm a big Quinn Priester fan personally, but that's really important for him to have confidence in his control, have comfortability in his delivery. And we just, just haven't gotten there yet with him. Yeah. And everybody, I mean, the excitement that he built up like during the, you know, the pandemic year, because it was because he was pumping. I mean, it was upwards of, I saw like in, at the Altoona, the alternate site down in instructionals, he was like pumping 97 to 99. And, and it's not something that we've seen, you know, in Altoona or in Indianapolis. So, I mean, it, it's going to have to come out somewhat or at least a tick up at least a little bit for his stuff to play better. Yeah, and I mean, here here's at least my observation of the Pirates pitching program right now. And they've done similar stuff with Rowanzi and Luis Ortiz. They're not doing this to try to get guys hurt. They're doing it the opposite. They're trying to prevent them from getting hurt. They're trying to help them. Do I think they're going about it the right way? No. Um, I think they're putting too much on young pitchers and causing them to think about too much and worry, and it's affecting their delivery. It's affecting their confidence. Um, I think they're probably guilty, maybe guilty, of treating guys a little bit too much like robots, thinking if we just do this, have you do this, coach you up with this, show you this, that it's magically going to work. Like, the meal doesn't always taste great. The ingredients can be fantastic. Sometimes you just screw them up. And I'm not saying the Pirates are doing that, but I'm saying that, you know, it, it, it's, it just worries me how much they're putting on these kids' plates. And, you know, I don't think Quinn Priester is hurt. I, I, I don't think he's magically going to go from 97 to 92 and forget how to throw hard. Like, I think people need to understand and accept there's stuff going on there. You don't have to like all that's going on. But I think we can acknowledge there's stuff happening with him, and he's trying to do things. And the Pirates, again, are trying to get his body to move in such a way biomechanically that preserves him for the long term. But it's kind of preventing 
kind of preventing the present at, at, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and, and not to completely go down the rabbit hole, but I mean, just a little bit of just hearing like some, you know, rumblings and different stuff about Luis Ortiz maybe being possibly like overwhelmed with the amount of, you know, information and trying to process all of that while still trying to pitch where last season, you know, we saw him just kind of for like not a better term, but just almost like shoot from the hip and just, you know, and just throw. Yeah, I mean, they, I think that there was a fear that Ortiz was like, going to throw his arm out, but his body wasn't moving the right way. And I, that, that com- could be completely founded. You know, that's a very good point. I'd want to preserve Luis Ortiz if I was running the team, too. But I, if, if I'm coaching this, if I'm doing this, I'm probably doing it in steps. And I'm probably doing it in a little bit more of a, a risky way than the Pirates are doing it. And, of course, that's easy for me to say, having no financial or future investment in these kids at all like you know my my professional futures aren't tied to their success so i of course i'm going to take more of a risk but you know i mean shoot ortiz talked about that in detroit i remember standing there outside of the pirates clubhouse where he said like he's thinking too much about his delivery and and worrying about his body and having to take a little bit off to make sure he's throwing the pitches where he wants to throw them or at least close so i mean you know that's not even speculation Luis has talked about it quinn priester talked about you know when he's two strikes he, he often walks up like that that's not good. That's not good that you're having guys do that as opposed to, you know, free and easy, feeling comfortable and confident all about. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a good thing. And and we're talking about you were mentioning about, you know, injuries and different stuff like that, which kind of loosely segues into the next po- talking point that I was thinking about here is that uh, O'Neill Cruz. You, you you made some people people were like Jason Mackey is worried about O'Neill Cruz and, and I I I read into your tweet of that well that's not good for you know this season it wasn't like this isn't good for you know O'Neill Cruz's yeah. career <laughs> like I knew what you were typing but of course it caused uh, you know a little bit of like melee from people on Twitter, you know, people on Twitter overreacting that, that never happens, Jason, just please don't, please don't post a picture of food. Cause you're not allowed to have fun while you're on the road. Oh, you caught that too. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I, I, I see all that stuff, man. It's so funny. Like God forbid, God forbid I send my kid to school for, for the, I don't know how many it's year. I couldn't like take him to his first day of school. Cause I was working and I hear about all kinds of stuff that I'm missing out. And this dude's bent because I tweeted a picture of fish tacos. Get out of here. Yeah, and and those wings, you I think you posted a picture of wings. Those wings looked absolutely amazing. They were fantastic. Another reason to love St. Louis, my man. Peel and Clayton, not far out. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, with, with, with O'Neill Cruz here, I mean, this to me kind of goes almost like twofold, is that you know, obviously he's going to have to run. He's going to have to run the bases. Some of this is going to be the, you know, mobility and stuff for playing shortstop. We have like a DH position that seems to be spoken for, for 2024. Like, is it going to be like O'Neill Cruz is shortstop or nothing? Or do you think there's going to be a way that they can kind of work him back uh, using like some DH, some off days and playing some shortstop. All right. So I've got a lot of thoughts on this. I'm going to try to keep them somewhat concise Um, to back up to the original tweet. Yes. I mean, it means not good things for this year. It means he's done for this year. I've been in St. Louis watching him do next to nothing. Like, I don't even think they're trying. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. I just think that it's, 
it's a conservative approach at this point, right? Like, why push it? It's too late. It's not going to be enough games to get back. So be it. Um, for next year, am I worried about Cruz? No, I'm not. I'm not. I think he'll be just fine. I think it's the right play to kind of pack it in, take the winner, make sure he's fully healthy for February 2024, and go from there. And, and nobody has received any indication that this is something that's going to linger with him long term. Now it's medical stuff. Nobody knows for sure. But again, are you going to bet on a kid? who's been tremendously athletic to get over something that most of the world gets over at some point? Yes. Um, so anyway, um, I like that angle. Now, what do we do for 2024? The way I see this, I mean, he's he's got to play some shortstop. You know, his value is there. I like him at shortstop. I thought he made some strides. I hate the idea of him going over to first base. That gets suggested to me every day or every other day, like people trying to play him or Henry Davis over there. I don't understand it, um, all because he's tall. Like, like you have to be tall when during the same season, we've seen the best first base anyone has played in Pittsburgh. And I don't know how many years out of Carlos Santana and he's relatively short. So like you don't have to be tall, but you know how to play the position. Those guys don't know how to play the position. You need O'Neill Cruz to play shortstop. If they can get him to play shortstop, that's fantastic. You're also going to sort of factor in what the DH looks like. I do expect touch to return, but one of the things that you need out of catch is for him to play a little bit of outfield, in my opinion. I talked to him about this in Kansas City, where his goal is like to get his elbow right, get his knee right, be able to go out there a couple times a week. And he feels like you know he was quote unquote hoarding the DH at bats, and he's he's not wrong. And so that would help to be able to keep Cruz's bat in the lineup. It would help to keep Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez, their bats in the lineup if Kutch could just play a little bit of outfield. Yeah, I mean that's where like I mean and. With Kutch, I mean, people people have gotten mad at me on this show, Jason, if you can believe it, but they've gotten mad at me of just basically stating facts of, you know, McCutcheon over since July has an OPS of like six oh one, a WRC plus of seventy-four. Like he's starting to wear down. And it's almost like I still think he can definitely be effective. The bat speed has not been affected whatsoever. He has one of the best eyes in baseball can still get those walks. I think during this time that I'm talking about, he has like an OBP of like 329. So there is still some value in Kutch, but like I said, he definitely, I didn't see him just being the full-time DH this year. I saw him definitely playing a little bit more outfield and some injuries have stopped that. And I don't think we can go into next season where it's like he does the same thing again. That's just more my point. I want Kutch back. I love seeing him play. But I also want to see the positions used to, to like their most effective way. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. And it's going to be a really tricky thing for the Pirates because, again, I agree with you that he's not been terribly effective. Well, I yeah, I don't want to say it that way, but I mean, he's been less effective than I thought he would be in the second half, given what we saw in the first half. Like, you know, we were talking about him having an outside shot at the All-Star game. I don't think it's been that way since the All-Star game. Um, you know, and if you're going to run it back, if they wouldn't bring him back, they're going to take a huge hit on that, unless he decides that he's retiring. That might be their saving grace. I think probably what you end up doing is coming to an agreement with Andrew and say, we will bring you back. You will be back for the entire year. This is what your playing time looks like. And we'll give you a shot to play the outfield. And you, you try to use him as much as possible. And, you know, you're mindful of his rest days early on. Um, he's probably not an everyday player. 
He's a part-time outfielder, part-time DH. If you have to pay him a few more dollars to make that work and keep him away from another market, fine. Uh, but I, I think he wants to come back. I think they want to have him back. But yes, you're right. It needs to look a certain way where he can't just be the DH because he's not a great option, but he's their best available option, and he also can't do anything else. Like that's not a perfect equation right now. Now it's it's just in my mind, and like I said, it's not even just trying to be disrespectful to Kutch. It's just if we're trying to start to move forward, and by we I mean the Pirates. If if they're trying to move forward and and be a more competitive team, then you can't have you know all of these plate appearances going to a guy that's that's not performing to the level that you're kind of you want or expect from him. And like I yeah. said, I created some waves with that. see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. Speaking of creating waves, you created some waves <laughs> this past week, Jason. Once again, Andy Haynes, 99% coming back, and, and people read that, and I swear to God, People absolutely lost their minds, you know, calling for John Nunnally to be the new hitting coach, which, I mean, I love John Nunnally. I think he's a, an asset to this organization. But would you see there being more additions to the major league staff as opposed to, like, changes and subtractions is where I would go with this question. <sighs> additions versus changes – yeah, I, probably, or just a net zero, I think is probably what I would ultimately say. I mean, I don't think they're going to go into next season with the entire coaching staff intact. Like, something always changes, but I don't think it's going to be Haynes. I don't think it's going to be Oscar. I know it's not going to be Shelty. Um, you know, the, the main players are going to be back. And, uh, yeah, that, that rubs some people the wrong way. I knew it would. Um, I'll go back to the, the Andy Haynes and John Nunnally keep Brian Hayes dust up and, and whatever um, and sort of take you through how my reporting uh, went and, and how I learned of this. Um, but, you know, I, I learned that they were working out together or, or you know, that, that not only was helping keep Brian. Um, I found that a little bit strange. No, I, I don't doubt that that happens with guys that they have coaches they're comfortable with and they help them. Sure. Um, but, you know, given keep Brian's August, given how, precipitous the the increase was or i don't know if precipitous is the right word but you know how, how noticeable the increase was i thought it was worth writing about 
it wasn't meant to say that Andy Haynes is the worst hitting coach in the history of hitting coaches. Um, you know, do I think he's the right fit for this team? Probably not. I I went into that time period reporting that and being around that story, thinking Andy Haynes was probably going to be gone. In conversations in and around that story, I learned that he's not going to be gone. So I reported that. Um, I wrote in that story that not only and in, in Haynes thing, or not only Hayes and Haynes thing, that you know not only would make a good candidate if, either to add to the major league staff or if they would move on from Andy Hayes at the end of the year. And I, I don't know what's going to happen with John Nunnally, but I you know Andy Haynes, unless something crazy happens over the final month, I believe is going to stay in his current position. So anyway, that's a whole. That's a whole mishmash of things, Craig. I have lots of thoughts thoughts on the topic. Yeah, and that's where it's just like, I mean, Chris and I on one of, like, our most recent shows just talked about, like, you know, it's always like, okay, we'll change the hitting coach and then, you know, stuff will change. But while I, like, was thinking about that, I thought about how, you know, we had Eckstein here. And Eckstein, to me, it's, I don't know if it's, like, more of just, like, an organizational philosophy and the guys that can kind of disseminate that organizational philosophy because looking back at like, I think it was like 2019 when, when Josh Bell, I mean, we're going back, but having his like breakout year and, and players like hitting well and kind of wanting, you know, Eckstein to come back. And then obviously him getting, you know, removed from the position, Andy Haynes being brought in. I don't see their hitting philosophies as much different. It's, attacking certain zones, being patient with the pitches, waiting for your pitch. I mean, it's stuff that, I mean, I've kind of been hearing from the Pirates since even prior to, you know, Ben Sherrington coming in. Yeah, and I mean, they have to do that, right? Like, they're they're not just going to lean on the four of 30 homer guys that they have in the middle of the order. <laughs> they, they have to get on base. Um, I also understand that, I look at the Haynes thing honestly from this perspective that you know when thing when this stuff was happening they were they were not going well that was before uh, they are about to sweep Missouri or can sweep Missouri um, you know different conversation around the team but you know if there's not a lot of progress made if they lose 95 games are you really going to run everything back you know and this is for instance like after Charrington talked on Monday you know with me and Alex Stumps from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Um, in Kansas City, he basically said, we have this, the, the right people in place um, on the pitching side. You know, Shelty's coming back, and we need to score more runs. And and said that like nine different times. My interpretation from that conversation was like, yeah, that's not looking good for Haynes. You know, <laughs> you lose 95 games, have the GM say we got to score more runs a whole bunch of times, and bring the hitting coach back. You know, and, and meanwhile, you can look at individual player development among young guys and say, like, who objectively has gotten better? And I'm not sure you can say that. Now, that's one side of the conversation. The other one is probably this, that the Pirates haven't exactly been running out the 27 Yankees. You know, like, is it Andy Haynes' fault that Alfonso Rivas has not produced more? Um, you know, some of the young guys, sure, you'd like to see more, but I, I, I think some of it's on Jack Sawinski. I think some of it's on... You know, guys, that Brian Reynolds, like him slumping for the first couple of months, I, I'm not putting that all on Andy Haynes. Like Brian Reynolds would tell you that's a Brian Reynolds problem. So anyway, I, what I'm saying is that I, I think the problems sometimes get unfairly placed on Andy Haynes. I mean, and they've said this, the hitting coach is so easy to blame. 
I also think it's reasonable as a fan or team, the person covering this team to expect some change after a 95 loss win season or a 95 loss season where they didn't score enough runs. So that's my perspective on it. Um, people know what I've reported and, you know, I, I can sort of understand sticking with Haynes and they really believe in him and whatever. I could also understand making a change because the results have been less probably than anybody would want. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a difficult decision, and I don't think that, you know, changing a hitting coach or changing a pitching coach miraculously turns, you know, everything around the way that, you know, some people think that it would. But, Jason, you know what, man? I appreciate you taking out the time here. I'm uh, looking forward to hopefully, like I said, a sweep here on Sunday. Uh, everybody that doesn't, I'm pretty sure anybody that listens to this does. Please go follow Jason on Twitter at jmackeypg. Only if you're not going to send rude comments about food pictures. And Jason, I uh, enjoy the rest of the time in St. Louis, brother. Can't wait to do this again. All right, great. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Absolutely, brother. Yeah.